Hey, everybody, it's Ray. This week, we're enjoying the holidays with our family and friends. Please enjoy the previously aired episode and look forward to all new episodes with Jim and I coming in 2012. Wishing you and yours happy holidays, and thank you. You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Life Lessons with Jim Carolla and Ray Oldhofer. Seems to be like 
Welcome, podcasters. We're back to our second show since we had our break. It's good to be back. And we have a sponsor, and Ray will be telling you more about that as we go along. And uh, we're happy to be back and start a whole new new era. Okay, what we're introducing this new period we're in. Remember from last week, and if we have new people, I'm calling this the, the preparation for um, withstanding uh, higher uh, truth. Remember, truth is something that um, you have to be prepared to take. You, if you're not ready, if you don't have the presence, the being, if you don't have the attention, and then you'll, it will go right over our heads. So this is going to be about the preparation for truth. What does one have to go through to receive from a, the next higher developmental level in consciousness. So that's what we're... But before we do that, something very, something very like that in science um, that I've read in the New York Times. In fact, my wife, Lynn, said there's an interesting book in the New York Times. Um, it's called Longevity. So I kind of looked it up and I realized there are points that I'm going to be talking about, but this, uh, this, uh, this uh, experiment in science actually covers uh, pretty good um, it's called the, Lang- the Longevity Report. It's a book. It was started um, eight decades ago. So the people that have begun that have just passed the baton. The scientists have died all along the way. Uh, it started in the, like maybe the 30s, the original two scientists. But um, now today, putting the younger Where, where people, did it start? Uh, I, I can't think of what you know. I'm, I'm thinking of... Some you are thinking of West Virginia, but I'm not sure where the professors came from. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, it all went down the line. And so now after studying 1,500 uh, people, um, of course, they died off too along the way. But they kept passing the baton on new scientists and putting newer things on it. Anyway, they've come to, after all this study, some of the main reasons, and one reason in particular why uh, longe- how longevity is possible. It almost boils down to one word. But before I do, Ray, I want to ask you, and I want to ask Gary too, um, um, what would you think as far as longevity, long life, what are some of the um, components that might be needed for that? A long life. Simplicity. Okay, simplicity. Keeping it simple. Anything else? Happiness, love. All right, so you're going in that area. You're going in the area more of emotions and feelings. Gary, how about you? Longevity. Uh, You know, along the same way, the same uh, guideline that Ray went with, I would say consistency. 
you know, just mm. having mm-hmm. having that same support there all the time is, is very important, I would think. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's even getting a little closer. Um, and podcast audience, as you listen to this, let's give you a moment. What would be some dynamics? We said it's one word. What's the one word before I go crazy? Uh, no, no. I'm probably going to die. Uh, hold on. You'll, you'll get it in a minute. Let's give the podcast people a chance to think about it. Um, what would be a almost common, de- common denominator traits that would... Uh, would allow for longevity in a human life. Okay, so let's give our podcasters a way to think about it. Now, some people may think, well, it might to do with genes. Is that it? You have come from a good gene stock that have lived. Well, maybe you'll live longer. I know my, so let's take it from the point of genes, what, what we have there. I know in my, my uh, heritage, in my line, uh, I think I had mentioned this, that uh, my, my, fam- my family and a lot of my relatives are dead. Um, it seemed to be 84 and 85. Nobody gets beyond 85. Um, they die around that period. Now, that might be something we can maybe align to some kind of gene, um, historically in genes. So that, in other words, there's, there's biological and then there's temperament and there's different kinds of things. Okay, let's see what, what they said. Wait, wait how old? Yeah. How, well, your dad died when you were relatively young. How old was your oh, mom? He, well, yeah, my mom was 84, I think. My father died in an automobile accident. Because um, so, my grandparents lived a long time, but okay. my mom and dad didn't fare that well. Okay, let's, let's, take, let's take your line for a moment. Your grandparents, do you have any idea of approximately how, how long... 80s, 90s? Like 80s. 80s, all right. Yeah. So that mid-80s is a, a, a kind of a real um, dying time in, uh, in this culture. Um, okay, so how, now how about your father? How old? 60, you know, three heart attacks in two years. So 60, I think he was 69. 69. Yeah. Okay. Mom, same. You know, old mom? T- 69. 69. Okay. You know anything about your di- dad's side of, the, side of the family? Yeah. They they lived a long time. Most okay, of them. Okay. Gr- mom, grandma, dad's side, not that long. Cancer mm-hmm. early. But then he remarried. So, But not, not gene pool wise. But grandpa, dad's side, long time. Okay. And what did you say about mom? Mom, mom, grandma, grandpa, long time. Okay, that was a long time. Yeah. Gary, do you know anything about the lifeline in your family? Uh, I do. I, uh, I I have a pretty long lifeline. My grandparents, uh, I've still got two alive. Uh, one Jesus. just died. I've How actually, old? I've actually had three die in three the past uh, 18 months. They were all in there late 80s or early 90s. Okay, so you're a lifeline. Your parents are alive? My parents are alive, yes. Okay, how approximately? They're, uh, they're, they're both about to be 60 this year. Oh, okay. So. okay. Wait, were they, were they, did they go out clean, Grand, uh, grandparents, or were they uh, miserable for the last whatever years? 
Like, I if have, I'm doing what Jim's right, right. doing when I'm 80, whatever, right, I'm happy. See, absolutely. If I'm doing what my mom was doing, uh, I'm fucking taking a boat to the ocean. Listen, I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, one of them uh, one of them went out easier than the other two, but, uh, but you know, two of them were, were in a hospital for the last couple of months of their life, which, you know, isn't ideal or what anyone wished for, I think. But I agree. If I'm Jim's age doing what he's doing with that kind of vitality, I'm over the moon. Okay, so podcast audience, that's a thought for you now, thinking of your lifeline of your family. Um, from a gene's point of view, of they're living long lives and you've inherited that, um, but also from temperament. And, um, and, what, and so think about your line from your grandparents. Um, well, we don't know the ages you know, for your young people. Um, so the grandparents, your own parents, and what did they die of, for example? Um, my line, it's clear, it's one thing, stroke. That killed everybody. Um, first strokes, and there was, there was no recuperating from them either. So they're pretty massive strokes. So, and, and so in your own families, what was it? And if I go back to later years or if I talk to my mother about it, and what did Grandpa die of? Was it more of disease, heart? Was it heart disease? Uh, okay, you ready for the word? Now, there's other dynamics, but this is the one they think, and you're going to be very surprised, though Gary got a little in the right ballpark. The word is conscientiousness. Wow. Now, let's break that down a little bit. Conscientious. Now, that people had gear that were guessing about this, and they were talking to genes, and they were talking all kinds of things. When the, when this doctor asked us at a convention, and they all all the other scientists, other kinds of things, nobody mentioned conscientiousness. Wow, that's one. Um, that's the big one. That's, that's the word. The, that's that's the word. We're now now in early. I'm fucked. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I'm fucking uh, dead standing. Let's think about that in our life. Early child development now we're talking about. As a child's development, and children begin to show it early, they begin to have a certain industry about it, an intelligence. They're conscious about what they're doing. Um, the discrimination, a watchfulness, a staying with it. Um, knowledge within. It's kind of a knowledge within that they somehow hold and the parents encourage it. Uh, separation just from a mechanical life. A way just to look at it. To do the right thing but the voice coming from the inside and they stay with it. Conscientious. Whoa. So let's take a look at that one in our lives just for a moment. Um, that, that, isn't that Go something ahead. you're more or less like kind of born with? Well, you know, it's according to the environment of the family. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you come from a decent family, you probably have that more so intact than ones who do not. Yeah, I'd say, particularly I would say like a you know, professional family. There's education within the family and people are going to school and college and so on. Uh, yeah, I would say that. But I'm thinking, like, just, uh, in fact, we'll ask the three of us today, conscientiousness in your own development. Now, let's, for a moment, let that, and podcast people, let that sink in with you. 
conscientiousness, that capacity to stay with it, to have an intelligence, to look within oneself, not easy to, to be discouraged, and has a kind of confidence in oneself, and they're able to stay with it and obtain um, a lot from that. Um, so for myself, I'm thinking in my, in my time, um, there was hardly anything. I mean, I, I, I just ran on fear and school. I just I did, did very poorly in in fourth grade twice, and there was no home. You did fourth grade twice? Yeah. So I really know fourth grade, if you know what I mean. I did second grade twice. <laughs> okay. Um, Fuck. Uh, <laughs> and staying with anything, you know, but I mean, my father was a trombone player, you know, that... Uh, Everybody wanted him to be a barber because he couldn't make any money with the trombone. Um, but um, I, I don't. Boy, that would be the last word I would think about as far as early development and parental environment. How about you, Ray? Then we'll give Gary no, a shot. No, ditto. And I'm positive Gary's is different from ours. I mean, mine was, you know, my dad was on the lam. You know the stories. Mm-hmm. And my mom was just trying to keep it all together and, you know, rural farming girl from Germany to the big city at, you know, 18, you know, spoke German, no English. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, I didn't I didn't get that stuff when I was a kid at uh, at any level either. You Mm -hmm. know, none. I mean, I guess that's why I sought out sports, because I excelled at it and I was bigger and stronger than everybody. Thank God. (laughs) <laughs> okay, then I'll get back to you. Um, Gary, for you, early ch- early childhood. Um, you know, I was uh, I was very fortunate. I uh, my parents decided to have me as uh, my dad was a few years out of the uh, the Air Force. A lot of my family was career military, and uh, it was right as he was coming into his business life and was becoming a. Uh, I'm more financially stable, and uh, I had a lot of opportunities growing up. My parents have been married my entire life, and they've both always been there. So I've had a lot of that consistency and, and you know, like I talked about before, just right there from, from the early days. So, you know, that's that's been something I've been extremely fortunate to have. Okay, so then you went on your college, your college graduate? Yes, I am. I, I am. Yeah, but what, what's your major? My major was political science with a minor in business administration from the University of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Who lost in the Sweet 16? It was uh, the I, Elite Eight. Elite, oh, wanna, yeah, you, you did get to the Elite Eight. Face, you were there, and you don't even know what game saw, you were at. I, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, you did. Ray and I bumped into <laughs> each other the week before we started this podcast uh-huh. at a basketball game in Anaheim, and my team lost. So uh, Ray's making fun of me. Uh, I'm not making that. Nah, it was nah, a good game. Okay. It, was, okay. it was tough. I shed a tear. Okay, so look, let's take the good. We have a good. We have a good kind of spread here. We have me, the old man. Um, you know, uh, parents, immigrants. Um, you know, survivors. Uh, my my father came over from Sicily when he was a little boy, um, and um, people surviving. So they could work hard, but they just survived at the the lower skills. Um, now, Ray. Yeah, well, wait. In one way, I'm trying to think about you know your whole the, your whole generation, the different generation. Not, but your parents are from Germany, right? No, yeah, no. Right. We they came here. You know, they came here. 
Yeah, both via Germany. I mean, we're same story, just, you know, 40 years later or whatever. Because they, you know, my father spoke more English than my mother. But, um, yeah, both immigrants from Germany. Mm. So in German, you know, when they would argue or they would have their conversations, German was the predominant language. You know, grow. I mean, did you guys speak I- Italian? Yeah, at the house. My my parents could speak Italian, but they could speak English too. Uh, when they wanted to say something they didn't want us to hear, then they spoke, spoke in Italian. Italian. Yeah, same deal here. So it's like, it's a mirror of what you had, except you know, oh yeah, and it was part of the access, so that they were allies back then too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, same deal. You know, I didn't get that kind of thing at all. Okay, so Ray. Ray has like the same deal, but only a, a different generation. Mine is in the thirty. Mine is in the thirty. Um, I've taken those years. I was born in thirty-one. Well, um, in the sixties. And, and Ray's was in the sixties. And Gary comes along later. Uh, in the eighties. Gary's in the eighties. In the eighties, my heavens. So in yes, the, we do have quite a good uh, cross stitch, but. Uh, you know, I hate to interrupt you guys, but I think... Yeah, you know what, Jim? we got to do this. Oh, go ahead. And now, a word from our sponsors. Oh, all right. Mother's Day this Sunday. You know what? I used to have a paper route. I had it for like four or five years. And on Sundays, I used to pick flowers for my mom. So, with that said, she's dead, but I'm still getting the flowers. And I'm putting them next to her. Our offer, one dozen assorted roses for mom, plus a free glass vase for only $19.99. That's roses for under 20 bucks. Are you guys listening to this? This is an amazing deal, and we're so close to Mother's Day. So step to it and do it, please, for us and your mom. If you haven't tried Pro Flowers already, they deliver anywhere in the United States and guarantee their flowers will be fresh for at least one week, and that's a huge deal. Because a lot of times, I've bought fresh flowers before, last a day or two. Pro flowers, last a week. Plus, our listeners get an exclusive deal. Double your roses and get free chocolates for just $10 or more. That's a great deal. This unbelievably good deal lasts only until midnight, Friday, May 6th. So don't miss out. Here's the only way to get the amazing Mother's Day roses deal. Call 1-800-PRO-FLOWERS and mention LESSONS or go to proflowers.com, click on the microphone at the top right corner and type in LESSONS. You'll be doing us a favor, you'll be doing mom a favor. That's proflowers.com, click on the microphone, type in LESSONS. This offer expires Friday, May 6th. Order right now. And thank you. ProFlowers, you're the best. Okay, He's yeah. waiting for the word. Yeah. And- more of a middle class and father uh, in the service, but a businessman later. And, um, and then eventually he goes to college. Uh, uh, Gary goes to college, probably like successful at that. Now I'm thinking of the mid-range of you podcasters, you can think of your life now, whatever your age you are. How, how old are you, Gary? I'm 26 years old. Okay. So, but it was also mandatory for Gary to go to college. I mean, all the kids that I went to school with, it was – they were all destined to go to college, except for guys like myself, Chris, and Adam. You know, we weren't. I mean, Gary, it was his birthright was to go to college. All those kids had the same deal, right? You, you were know, going to college no matter what. You know, Ray, it's funny. That's absolutely true, 100%. I think uh, 
98% of my graduating class from high school went on to a four-year college, and it was like the idea of not going to college was just never – it was never in the cards. That was what you did. And when I hear, you know, you and Adam and stuff talk about – you know, the yeah, we were lost in the supermarket a, by the time we were 15. Right, we were that was wayward. Just, that was just not the reality. I mean, when I was in middle school, my mom was talking about which college counselor we needed to, you know, so. I mean, my, you know, like every kid I know, or pretty much any kid I knew, know, knew that came from a decent family all went to college, and it was mandatory. Hmm. I mean, not mandatory like you'd go to college. Like It was just extension of high school mm, wow yes that's so that's really different about your generation uh you, you we have in common things at another level but but you knew the kids are, in my in my world nobody went to college nobody no one no one let's see finished high school my brothers didn't no um i don't think my father went to school in america at all I'm not sure you didn't have to in those days. <laughs> you have to prove you were in school. Um, no. So we have a real spread here, but some real commonalities too. Now, so I'm saying also for this journey of um, what I'm going to be calling the second birth, the second education, one thing that's needed is a conscientiousness. The same thing to achieve professionally, the same thing about moving up the higher consciousness. So some way we, we need some ground floor tools in the first part of the education of our life, the conditioning, and see how we're doing with those. How are we doing with just basically what, um, what we learn to do, even if it's not going to college? Um, because you need to have a conscientiousness, a um, persistence, to move up in this next level as well. So, right, even though there's a lot of scatter in your, in your life, and, even, and so with the boys, and since that's right, you have brothers. What was the achievement level of your brothers? What are you saying? That I was underachieving? What do you, what do you get that? <laughs> right. I mean, no, I, what, what college-wise or anything? Anything-wise. None of us went... There's three of us. There's four total. Rob, Beret, Ron, and Rich. And then um, Ron went to the military. He went to the Marines. And Rich and Rob, Rob got out hustling, you know. He just went to work right away. Machine shop kind of thing. Then worked his way into sales and stuff like that. So he was good. But he was, you might say there was a conscientiousness that he worked his way up. Might you say that? Yeah, he he had a lot of due diligence in his his, his nature. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how he, how he is. Oh. He's super organized. Like if you ask him, let me see your tax return for '83. He can show you in three seconds. Yeah, he'll just go to the file cabinet. But you look at his desk; everything's square, everything's in place. Yeah. you know, you're not allowed to touch anything. You know, that's that's him. It's almost a malady. You know, but it works for him. Mm-hmm. I'm the opposite. <laughs> so, so that was Rob. That's the oldest, right? Yeah, and he moved, and he went higher and higher, and he seems to be doing pretty well for right. He was the today. first one to buy a like they own they now they all own a place except for me. Mm-hmm. So now they all own a home. Yeah, you home. know, Rob owns a few, mm-hmm. and um, 
Rich is doing. Rich had a child. Rob had a child. They're both, for for the most part, married. They are married. And um, Ron got married. I'm the only one who's never been married. Mm-hmm. This, this we should save this for my Saturday session. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But they all, yeah. But as far as far as college education, I think it's probably tie with my older brother and I, like a year of JC. By the way, I made the dean's list. At JC? Yeah. All right. You're at JC. You know, can I just break in just because the topic of college was brought up? I'd just like to say that even though it was fait accompli and it was something that was going to happen, I don't necessarily think it's the best thing. And it, it might just be better to, you know, find something that you love and focus on that rather than just go do college because it's expected of you. So I'm not here to advocate that as the best life path. Yeah, that's a good point Gary's making. Um, Colleges also, if one really even has a a talent or a love of something early, a lot of times music is uh, um, people will hang in with that um, and may not go to college. Yeah, so whatever, whatever our, if we could contact our passion and love that would be even be more important. I mean, we do college also, but that would be even more important than just automatically going to college. But how much of the Vox Populi you think have even even know what their passion and love is? I mean, I I don't know what I would pursue, what I'd be pursuant of if I if I had those tools. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you were just kind of like thrown out there, and now you got to get your hustle on the you know eat or make rent, or whatever you might be doing. Do you have a sense of something, even now in your life? I'd be a great doctor. Okay. Or a lawyer. Doctor, why, why, how come you picked those two? That's what, that's what it, that's, those are prestige, right? Those are two things that everybody... Prestige. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, as far as... Uh, I'm not talking about your own passion. If you had to stay... I don't know, you may not have a thought in this area, but... There, was there ever something you thought, even though I'm doing all these other kinds of things, but... I, I think, wish- like, a surgeon would have been fun. Like, I would have been, I would have excelled at that. Hmm. Okay. Like, surgery, real surgery. Like, fixing things. And and that's based on what your work, how you work well with your hands and coordination and... Yeah. And mm-hmm. I have, and I don't fear blood, and I, I kind of like, you know, it's not that I'm morbid or I go out looking mm-hmm. for it, but, you know, watch a lot of A&E whenever there's some surgery stuff on. I like that stuff. Okay. And I've had a bunch of surgeries, as you know, so. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. Gary, for you, did you, was there a passion earlier in your life? Did it come later or did you have something for yourself? Um. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um. You know, I... I discovered probably a little too late that I, uh, as much as I liked politics, political science was not a degree that was going to lead to jobs mm. that I was going to be happy with. Mm. So, uh, you know, I always liked computers and I always liked, you know, editing images and messing with video and audio. And if I had been, I wish I had been conscious enough to realize that and take a direction like that in my higher education mm. and, you know, have a little bit more training in what I do now. But, uh, well, well, boat's not sailed, buddy. You're like 20. How old are you? Hey, I'm not. (laughs) Listen, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm, that's, I'm always learning. But, uh, you know, I just, 
you know, trying to look back on something, you know, from your childhood, you're right. I, I don't have a lot to look back on. I mean, there's there's not a lot of... Yeah, you're not even peeping over the fence. Yeah, there's not uh, a lot of things I can really the, you're, look back You're at. in it now. Yeah, not a lot of things I can look back at this point and say were disasters yet. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it won't be too many in 10 years, but no guarantee. Oh, you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so podcasters, as you hear our little discussion, the three of us today... Kind of think of yourself that way. Did you go right to college or you didn't go to college or was the opportunity there? Did you have a passion early, even as a kid? Something that just, um, I mean, I'm thinking of one of the greatest violists. I uh, can't think of her name now. But very early, like four years old, she heard a viola. She, she asked, what's that? No, she's just a baby. And somebody said, well, that's the viola. And she heard that sound and she said, oh, I want that. <laughs> So she became one of the finest violists in the Was yours the music? World. Well, my, mine was music because I lived, that was the one thing in my environment because my father was a musician and mostly to please him because that's the, that's the one thing that put a smile on his face if I could be able to play a brass instrument because um, um, there's a brass um line in my family. When they came over from Sicily, my uncle Sadafine and that group, they were brass players. And they, they that that was the instrument of my brother became and I have cousins that I it never got into strings or saxophone or we all stayed brass sort of. So I got a chance to hear You guys it were like Mexican Italians. <laughs> <laughs> the Mariachi brothers. Um yeah so mine my, my my environment was like that. But it's it's really, it's really interesting. I mean, we kind of went on a little side road today, but kind but, of an interesting but you, side road. <clears throat> Jim, like after the the let's say the pleasing of your father, that's why you picked up the instrument. But then you, I mean, it was it was passionate with you though, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it changed it road somewhere. Yeah, it be really be, it um, it became a passion with me, but I still didn't have the conscientiousness. In fact, that's what I'm doing now at 80 years old. I'm kind of redo that um, when I didn't have the guidance or the conscientiousness early in life, had no touch with something called the more deeper self, the thing that we're after now. Um, so I was just playing by ear and winging it and trying to impress my father. Because one thing I could do is produce a nice sound on a cornet. In those days was cornet. Um, and my father liked that I could make such a nice sound. Um, but as far as digging into the real roots of the, of the discipline, I didn't really have that. So I'm trying to do that now, funny, so late in my life, um, to see if I can bring some conscientiousness to music. Um, and um, it's, it's funny, but I, I work at it every day like, it was in a, like it's important. I start early in the morning, and, and I work very hard at seeing what's my real potential with this instrument. I'm thinking for you, Ray, that, um, you know, you, you got that start, but you, you're, then you learned some way you were able to really see and learn and have some vision in, in the field that you're in. How did that even happen? How I don't know. You just have an eye for certain things, you know, or you, you understand how things are supposed to be. You know, when you look at something, if it's right or wrong, you know, like homes or structures and you 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 get it, you know, mm -hmm. and then you have to have half a brain. Did you get that early? 
I mean, yeah, I think I always, I think I always had it, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, I understood it. But when I started, I mean, I was just a laborer, you know, yeah. I mean, you just, that's what you did. You dug mm-hmm. or whatever, or you were a big kid, so you had to carry things and, you know, that kind of stuff. So you were more or less, and then you just watched. And I, and I, and I always watch, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty good observer when it, when, see how things are done. So you just figure it out after a while because you know you can't continue doing what you were. So it's a gradual moving up to a little more skills. Yeah, and then I never really liked working for other people in that arena. Mm-hmm. So you know, you just went out and did your you hustled on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you get guys, and then you go home and nap early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you go, you go to work. Mm-hmm. You just go to work. Yeah, uh, uh, so that's Ray has that eye. Adam has it too. Yeah, and boy, it certainly didn't come from me. So he, Adam's he, always had. I mean, Adam knows if something's right or wrong. I mean, he feels it. You can, mm-hmm. you can just he knows, you know. And then he go, you know, pick your brain about it. You know, what do you think of this? How would you do this? How would you know? Mm-hmm. But he has an idea of it. He, he, idea, he yeah. understands how it works. Yeah. I yeah. mean, look what he's done. You know. Yeah. I mean, not in as far as building what he's done. And he's, you know, <laughs> he'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, he'll just do it. Yeah, most of the audience knows Adam. Uh, Adam also, like like Ray, is into building and fixing and, you know, uh, repairing things and having a, a good eye for what it, what's, what's to look like. It's, I mean, he cut... The, He's got, you know, he's got with the mechanics too. Mechanically, he has it for cars and such. Like he mm-hmm. took his um, that jag that he has, and he cut the springs down because he thought it rode too high in the front. I mean, he's got. He did it himself. Yeah, yeah. Oh. He took, the, he jacked the thing up, took the springs out, and they're under huge tension. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, he's. It's not amateur hour. The guy's got talent in that area. Enough yeah. about him. That's a very. <laughs> Very special town. They both have it, both Adam and Ray. Anyway, folks, we went down a road I didn't expect us to. I mean, I just want to use this as an example by, um, for higher consciousness because conscientiousness is a part of that. In other words, as we try to move from just surface personality, just a general, uh, our general conditioning, whatever it was, and in this room we have quite a variation in that, um, I'm saying that our next step is really to, first place, to take a good look at what we're doing now in our podcast audience. We invite you to do that, whatever, wherever you are um, and whatever kind of profession you have. And um, I almost ask the question, how did I get there? Something we, sometimes we automatically do things and we end up in certain places. And um, Why am I doing what I'm doing right now in my life? And what kind of led up to that? And am I happy with it? But I would like to be doing something else. There's something that I was never able to get to because I'm first place so tied up with what I'm doing to make a living that um, I haven't uh, really researched this in my being. So the first part is whatever those, uh, whatever those talents are, what I call an education number one, the first birth, the first... The first uh, nature we have, uh, whatever they are, they have to be a preparation for this second part we're talking about. We have to be good at part one. If we're conscientious at part one, then there's a chance that we can begin to use some of that conscientiousness 
in part two, which is moving to what I call an intermediate a level of consciousness as a base camp, a center of gravity to begin higher development with. So we went down a funny road today that I expect did, to. When you, when you were growing, I mean, you took on, you know, like I had struggle in my family, and that's what I knew, and, and you had struggle also. But when did you, when did that crossroads come up for you? Because you had to go back to do what you do. You had to go back to school, and for an extended amount of time. Yeah. That, that took, you know, I, had, I didn't, really didn't have an education, so I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I couldn't even do high school work. I mean, I, was, I, I went to a trade school uh, to learn a trade, which I never did, but that's what people in my world did. They went to a trade school, Bach Vocational School. Um, so I had no confidence, and I, I knew a little about music, and that was about it, but, but not much. I mean, I kind of got by as a uh, bar mitzvah trumpet player or weddings or something. Oh, you were like the wedding singer way before the wedding <laughs> singer. <laughs> right, I was a wedding trumpet player. Um, but no, mine began um, when I came to California and, uh, and my, my first wife, uh, she worked in the college and I knew I couldn't just stay on the road and of course I was a road musician and um, oh, and in fact, I... I put this into there because I had a whole other point to make, but we never even got to it. I mean, I'm going to show Ray a picture of um, when I was. Where are you in this picture? Yeah, look, look, see somebody on the. Oh yeah. See me? Oh Uh, my God. um, You got. Yeah, you got to put this. You got to. Yeah, this got to be on the website. Jim, who was the girl? Natalie Rogers. She was a singer from New York, traveling, but doing uh, club, club dates. She's like a fifteen-inch waist. Yeah, she was. She was very. She was very slim. Um, this is a great shot. Yeah, There's, that photographer in New York is, is his name on the right-hand side in the corner there. Yeah, it and, is James J. Kriegsman. Kriegsman. Is that? I don't even remember. But it's, it says Don Kelly. There's a, there's a picture of Jim sitting on top. Well, you can figure out which one it is. You'll see it on the website. But um, on top of a piano, it's this four-piece band. And then there's like a cocktail being served, a black and white photo, drum set. It's pretty awesome. Now, this here's a, a, I brought these two women because I'm going to talk about agents. I never got to the agents, so I can get back to it. The second picture Ray is seeing is when I worked at Jazz City. I did stand-up comedy with a partner, um, Ron Rubin. And so that, um, that's, that's a live shot in Jazz City. And this, and this is a shot of two gentlemen in front of a microphone. One's toting a pipe who is not Jim, and he's got some like almost Swifty Lazar-looking glasses on. And Jim's got some mustache going here. Wow. Yeah, that was in the early 50s, so, you know, I was like... You look like John Tutor- Tutoro. Yeah, yeah. Man. You know, you ever heard of him? Yeah, yeah it's true. I do. I, he looks Sicilian, John Tutoro, so maybe we do have the same... Uh, yeah, I do. John Tutoro. Um, anyway, wow. next, next time we talk, I'll, those, the, those, those pictures will be related to something. I just brought them in today. Well, they, they can see it when they, when they, I guess you, you'll post them right away, Gary? Yeah, I'll post them on the website. When this episode goes live, the, they will be too. 
Okay. All right. So we're going to take. How old of a man are you in these, Jim? Um, I'm about twenty-three, twenty-four. It's about nineteen fifty-three, fifty-four. Um, just a young, young folks. Not younger than than Gary. <laughs> and if you want to know where Adam got his hair, he got it from Jim. That's for sure. Okay, so let's go out on a little scatting just to end our show. And, um, yeah. One, two, three. Okay, podcast people, we're going out with our theme now. We have a very different day today. Uh, we got into our backgrounds and our, um, our, uh, what our back, what our, our grandparents are and so on. Um, and we came up with that key word. Consciousness is good for you podcasters. Yeah. You better have some conscientiousness. You want to get up in the world, you little mothers. Yeah, Razor, he's beaten. He's ready to go. We're going to give him a chance. To what am I going to How am I going to top that? Here we go. You just stream of consciousness. Go, Jimmy. Bop, bop, doo-ba-doo-day. I'm going to hold this picture on. This is going to give you some inspiration. Remember that conscientious Yeah, you can't forget that word, can you? Because if you got that, mm, you can move to the next place. But, but if you have real sloppy, you don't do anything, you can't get anything together and so forth, well, that's going to be hard at... I know that was me a lot of my life. Wow! Didn't do anything right. Yeah. But now, today, the key word is, you know what it is. Conscientiousness. That's it, Ray. Go oh, with that word, Ray. I just want to join you in that a little bit, Jim. Yeah. Go, baby. Kind of get it back to work. Yeah, he's got to get back to work. <laughs> got to go buy some carpets. Yeah, tell him. What else you got to do? Fix my hands. Fix your hands? Oh. Hurt them lately. Oh. But getting some more conscientiousness yeah, yeah. due to you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. Conscientiousness. We're surrounded with it today. Woo! <laughs> so is it ready to go out on this blues note? We want to say we're glad to be back, folks. And um, we're going to be a lot of good things happening here. Um, so stay with us in this movement towards this intermediate consciousness we're talking about. thing called soul or Buddha nature. We're all going to have a lot of interesting ways. We're going to try to get um, everything. Here we go. See you later. One and two and three. Reach the show on Twitter at LLWJC or email us at Jim Carolla at AdamCarolla.com.
Broadcasting Network.